Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. Good morning, good to be together in the house of the Lord to praise His name together and to lift His name up. Just a a couple of announcements, if I may, just to emphasize a couple of things. Um, On the 26th of May, at the end of this month, the last Sunday, we're going to have another Testimony Sunday and also uh, a Baptismal Sunday as well. We had one just recently, but from that some people have come forward and said, we too want to be baptized. So if you want to be baptized, please come and see me afterwards, and we'll arrange uh, to uh, make sure that we have a a class so you know what's happening, and uh, you go through the waters of baptism. The water will be warm. Secondly, tonight uh, at, at the Buragoon service, there's a unity service. Um, there's been a big build-up to yesterday. What we had was movement day. A whole lot of church leaders got together and uh, just celebrated the initial movement day in WA. And that was the first one in the country. And uh, Roger Sutton was the speaker there. And tonight, uh, we're having a, a similar service open to everybody. It's a unity service, and the Still Band and Steve Grace will be there. And so, uh, this evening service uh, at 5.30 p.m., if you want to attend that, that is at the Burragoon campus. And then, uh, at the beginning of last year, we started a, a Bible study here on a Monday night, uh, which I lead uh, it's between 7 and 8.30 with some delicious tea and coffee and a biscuit in between um, where we did 1 John uh, verse by verse and many times word by word. But tomorrow night I start a series, uh, according to the school term, on six or seven or eight individual Greek words. So we'll take one Greek word in the New Testament, see what the Bible says about that, that word. Tomorrow night I'm dealing with the word glory. Glory. And I guarantee you it will blow your mind what the Bible says about glory. Next week I'll deal with fellowship. So tomorrow night, glory. The following week, fellowship. And we'll take one word and see uh, what the Bible says on that particular word each week. Okay. We start a series called Out of the Salt Shaker, just to coincide with this whole concept of, uh, of uh, Movement Day yesterday um, on both campuses. And folk, the title of Out of the Salt Shaker is there because we know that salt is uh, very, very good uh, if it's used for its right purpose. But if it's in the salt shaker, it is useless. Clearly. And so the series here is called Out of the Salt Shaker. Out of the salt shaker. And we want uh, to allow God to use us to be out of the salt shaker. And I want to just focus on something today uh, with reference to out of the salt shaker. And it it would be to do with brilliance. So in in the next slide, um, I remember when when Maria and I uh, wanted to get married, um, I needed to get her a ring. And um, years ago, I bought a what looked like a diamond, and it looks like a diamond, but in Johannesburg, all things are possible, and I thought it was a diamond, and I was getting it for a good price, and I thought, this is going to be for my bride. It's quite a jewel. And so, 
uh, we went to a jeweler, a, a friend of ours recommended us to a jeweler, and he can make a ring that will be uh, suitable as, as per the request of the bride. And so I took this diamond to him, and he had a look at it. He said, this is probably worth less than $10. So I said, what do you mean? I paid a lot of money for this. He said, it's a polished piece of glass cut in different shapes. I thought, wow. And I've kept this in the safe for so many years <laughs> for my bride. It was quite embarrassing. But then he said, let me show you something that is good. And he began to show us, and this guy was brilliant with his um, showing us cuts and, and shines. And, and the, the, the whole issue of it was brilliant. Look for the brilliance in the diamond. It comes with a price, clearly. Uh, and, and so uh, we began to learn about that. If I look at John 7, 37 in the next slide, I see Jesus speaking about a, a hunger and a thirst for him. And so uh, in John seven thirty seven, it says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And I think as Christians, we often are happy to settle for seven, second best when it comes to the things of God. But if there is a hunger and a thirst for the things of God, then it should bring in a different attitude. And that Greek word, thirsty, the psao, it's, it's so beautiful because figuratively it's, it's those who painfully want something. You want something so bad with reference to the things of God, that you thirst after it. You eagerly long for it, is what that word means. You, you want it because your soul will be refreshed. Wow. If anybody, the Bible says, is longing for the things of God, come to me, but not just kind of basic stuff. If you're thirsty for the good things of God, Jesus says, come. And then in Psalm 8 verse 1, we know that in the Old Testament we say, O Lord, our Lord, in the next slide, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. And so the word majestic, if you would translate that Old Testament word majestic into the, the Old Testament Greek called the Septuagint, it means, it's the word thavmatos, which means how marvelous how worthy of admiration you are, how admirable you are, how excellent, how brilliant. O oh Lord, our oh Lord, how brilliant is your name in all the earth. Similarly, in Philippians 1.10, we read so that you may be able to discern, Paul writes, to you and to me, as he wrote to the Philippian church, to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless on the day of Christ. And so as we serve Christ, as we thirst after him, as we see who God is, how brilliant he is, how majestic he is, Paul says as you uh, enter into serving him and, and to a relationship with him, he says that we want to be able to discern the best. That word um, best means, is the word diafero, which means good things that differ, to approve of things that excel, things that are brilliant. Now, with all of that in mind, 
If you look at the next slide, we all want our team to win. We all want our team to win. You know, whether you're a Dockers fan or West Coast Eagles fan or, 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 you know, or buying an appliance, you don't say, uh, I'm here at the shop today, can you give me a second-rate um, appliance, please? No, we want the best. In our jobs, we want the best jobs. But I think, and I'll say this very carefully, please, when it comes to the things of God, we're happy to settle for second best and even give God second best. But out of the salt shaker, we want to make a difference because he calls us to be salt and light. How do we do that? With absolute brilliance. Well, let me share a few tips on brilliance with you, if I may. I think we need to firstly value brilliance. We need to value it. And so when you value something, you put a worth on it and it becomes your treasure. And we know that the Bible says that our heart is where our treasure is. And so when we begin to to think about how we spend our time and our resources, is it on things that are brilliant with reference to the things of God? In Ecclesiastes 9.10 it begins, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Uh, Ecclesiastes says, do it with all your, your koa, is the Hebrew word there, do it with your vigor, with your force, with whatever procedure you follow, whatever strength you give to it, whatever substance you give to it, do it with brilliance. Do it and excel in that area. You see, when you fail to give your best, you're almost cheating and you're cutting yourself short with reference to serving God with brilliance. Imagine if God would say, you know what, Christophides, today I'm going to just give of my second best to you. No, Lord, please don't do that. Oh, you don't want me to do that. Why do you do that for me then? Why do you do that for me? And so we need to realize that, that, that brilliance and excellence is good because what we sow, we reap, and we want to reap the best, but we need to sow the best. Secondly, we shouldn't be settling for average. We shouldn't be settling for average. You know what? Our reputation goes before us. Our reputation goes before us. In Daniel chapter 5, we know that that Daniel was elevated to a, a place of leadership. His reputation went before him. And you know, when they tried to accuse him, the leaders could not find fault with him. In other words, he was above reproach. And that is powerful. And so when it came to to areas of excellence, of brilliance, Daniel was up front there. Because if rumor had it that Daniel was a loser, he did this, he did the next thing, uh, and Daniel was a conniver, and Daniel did the wrong things, no way, no way. His reputation goes before him. And so we shouldn't settle for average Proverbs 12, 26 tells us the righteous is more brilliant than his neighbor, but the way of the wicked seduces them. We need to stand strong and not settle for second best, not be average people, because God is a, is a brilliant God, is a majestic God, and as we serve him, we give of our best back to him, not second grade, you see. Thirdly, we need to give attention to detail. I think that's important. Yes, it's important to see the big picture, but not neglect the detail of that big picture. You know, it's that small little hole in the ship that sinks the ship. That small little hole. 
that sinks the ship because it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And so we can easily become like the world, if you like. And when God looks from heaven, just as he looked at Israel and the nations around, he could not see a difference. As he looks at the world today, does he see a difference between the church and the world? You see, the church is to be in the world, not the world in the church. The purpose of a boat is to be in the water. That's design. When the water is in the boat, that's disaster. And so we are are told to to give of our best and to to give attention to the detail of serving God. Michelangelo, when he was painting a hidden part of the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel in Rome, a part of the the, uh, would not be to be seen from the ground. And as he was painting, there was a couple of corners there that wouldn't be seen from the ground. And a friend was visiting him. And asked why he was giving such minute detail to this obscure part that nobody would see. And Michelangelo responded, God will see it. I'm not painting this for the Pope. I'm painting it for God. As we serve, who are we serving? Are we serving God? Because our attitude will determine how we serve. And so we need to pay attention to the detail and do it with absolute brilliance. Fourthly, As Christians, we know we need to go the extra mile. We need to go the extra mile to to make the extra effort and expect nothing from it. Because who are we serving? We're not serving to earn brownie points. We're serving, giving back to God in appreciation for what He has done for us. Folk, in Genesis 24, there's this... um, Abraham sends these servants out and he says, go and find a wife for my son. And the servants go out and they stop at a well to get water for the camels. They just traveled 500 uh, miles and they stop there to give water to the camels. And there's this young 16 or 15, the Bible doesn't tell us, but a young lady there. She's probably about 15 or 16 years old. Her name is Rebecca. And she says, sir, can I get water for you out of this well? And they say, wow, thank you. And what about your ten camels? You kind of go, why would the Bible go into so much detail about the servants and the ten camels? Now, I read up about this, and I'm told that each camel can drink 180 liters of water. And so she was going to give enough water to the servants and to ten camels. So, 180 liters per camel times 10 camels, that's 1,800 liters. She probably had a bucket. She didn't have a hose. (laughs) She didn't have a pump from Bunnings to be able to pump water out. She probably had a bucket, and that bucket would probably be able to take 15 liters, which is 15 kilograms, by the way. And so here is this young lady who is taking out water. And folk, that was her attitude. She was prepared to not only give to the people, but to the animals as well. So she's prepared to go the extra mile. I worked it out, she probably needed to scoop up 80 bucketfuls of water. Why does the Bible give us so much detail? To show the quality of this lady. And folk, you know what? God honored that. 
And if you read the genealogy of Jesus, Rebecca is right there. In other words, she's one of the great, great, great grandmothers of Jesus in the lineage of Jesus. Wow. She went the extra mile for the things of God. I'm challenged by that. (laughs) I'm challenged by that. You know, somebody said, you'll only be remembered for two things. The problems you solved and the problems you caused. (laughs) I wonder what I'll be remembered for. Because a little bit of extra effort could be the step that turns us into somebody who's remembered as a mover and a shaker that was prepared to get out of the salt shaker and make a difference in the world. And fifthly, we need to be consistent. It's easier to go, well, you know what, there's a little program, let me just put everything into it and, and, and run away. Sure, I'm glad that's over. But God calls us to go the extra mile and to be consistent in responding to him in appreciation for what he has done for us. And I know we live in a nation that says, each one to his own, mind your own business, it's fair go, you just give a little bit, you'll all get a medal at the end of the year. Folk, and and this might be a bit wrong, but my corporal when I was in the army said to me, first is first and second is nowhere. (laughs) I've never, uh, clearly it's affected me. Clearly it's affected me. But you know what? That means if I'm going to serve God, let me serve him with excellence. And if I do it, let me do it, and let me do it well. While you're sitting here with uh, regrets because life has dealt you a couple of hard knocks, life has been hard to you, you've made a few mistakes, be encouraged because 70% of all decisions that we make will be wrong. But how do we take that wrong and use it for God's honor and glory? Well, I think firstly, we need to be positive. To be positive. God is with us. Let's, be re- let's rest assured that God is with us. If we have that positive worldview that, you know, that he holds us in the very palm of his hand. And the one door that closed, God has got a better door. Not another door, a better door. And no is not a bad thing for me because God is before it. Why am I going through a hard time, God? I don't deserve it. Folk, uh, there are no easy answers to that. But you be uh, rest assured that, that we need to know that God is with us. We need to be positive. Not pop psychology, wake up in the morning, "Mm, you can do it. No, be positive that God is in the midst of that. Secondly, let's look for good. Let's look for good. And folk, the the Bible is full of that. Good in in our vocation, in our work. Good in our family situation. Good in our relationships. Good in our church good in the way we serve him with all that we have. Let's do things with cheerfulness. And know that in Philippians 1.6 it says that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion. That God is still busy with me, but you know what? I'm going to give my best for him. Thirdly, let us look for opportunities. 
Let's recognize opportunities and let's look for them. Let's look for opportunities of being brilliant, of, of doing our very best. And so I don't want to welcome obstacles, but when they come to me, I want to be able to turn those, those obstacles into opportunities. I did a wedding here yesterday, just a small little wedding. And, uh, and I said to this couple, I said, guaranteed that before you go to sleep tonight, you will need to face an obstacle. And so it's a great opportunity of throwing the towel in and getting out of here before uh, I get the documents registered. Let me know if that's the case on Monday morning. Or it's a great opportunity of working through this together and growing from strength to strength. But you need to put God in the center. God needs to be in the midst of that. So we need to look for those opportunities, not to throw the towel in, but to say we are going to get stronger in all of this. And then finally, acknowledge that we've made mistakes and we need to move on. Let's, let's take those mistakes and say, it's time for me to move on. It's time for me to realize I've made a bad choice, but to move on. You know, they, they say that 80% of the alcoholic's problem is to acknowledge he made a mistake or he's got a problem. And my dad sadly died in 2002. Such a clever man, but he could never acknowledge he had a drinking problem. Why? Because pride. Let's acknowledge that there might be a mistake, that we've made errors. Let's go and rectify them and say, God, help, please. Help. So as God has created us to be out of the salt shaker, where to from here? Well, friends, I think each and every one of us in that next slide can pray for the nations of the world. You don't need to be super gifted to do that. We can all pray. We can all be praying for our neighborhood, Kublap, whatever suburb you're in. We can all be praying and being involved with, with particular missionaries out there, those who, who have gone to areas that we were not able to go. We need to visit the sick if you can. Great opportunities. We need to be visiting newcomers to, to our neighborhood and our church. My beautiful mother, I remember when um, I was still living at home, Greek boys always live at home because their mothers cook well um, before they get married. And so I said, Mom, you need to go and preach the gospel. You need to go. And how I'm going to do this one, she says to me. So I said, there's a new neighbor that moved in. Make her a nice Greek cake. Invite her over or go and give her the cake and say, come to my house and I make you coffee and I make you some more biscuits. Don't break the plates. But, you know, you, you come and, and you enjoy and slowly she says, ah, oh, your family is on the wall there. Who is that? No, that's not their accent. Your family on the wall. Who's that? And my mom can say, he's my daughter, my beautiful son. You know, this one, he's looking for wife. No, and you know, the, he goes to church. He's a pastor of the church, that one. Years later, he's losing his hair. <laughs> no. <laughs> and folk, as we, as we serve in our neighborhood, small little things, small little things, as we can impact those we come into contact with. Visiting newcomers, different areas of pastoral work uh, where we can just go and visit somebody that needs a word of encouragement. To care for the aged, those who cannot care for themselves, to give them a bit of a word of encouragement, to breathe fresh heart, 
into them. To visit at home. And so we know that the possibilities are endless. But what about us here at Mount Pleasant? Well, here are a few opportunities. There's a morning tea roster. So as you exit, there's a, a, a notice board right there. And I've got a few rosters up. If you say, well, I can't preach, I can't sing, and I can't do anything, but I can boil the kettle, I can you know, make a little biscuit once a month, a little muffin. Put your name down on the, on the roster there. The morning tea roster. Perhaps the sound and vision. Tom is doing that for us. He's happy to train you. We've got people who, it'll take you probably an hour to train you to be able to operate the sound desk there. To push the button for the vision. You don't have to do anything else. It's all loaded up. All you need to do is say, next, next, next. Tom will be able to train us for that. Praise and worship. If you want to sing, there's a roster there. Put your name down. We'll follow the process. Part of the welcoming team. Michael and I love standing there, but we want other people to be able to do that. Perhaps the children's ministry. Maybe you don't even have children, but you want to be involved in some area. We train people up to be able to do that. Perhaps the teenager's ministry. Folk, there are endless opportunities. Be careful. If you come to me and you suggest something new to me, I will make sure that you do that, because that's the dream God gave you. But please, if you don't have any dreams that God gave you, put your name down on one of those things. It's good for you to serve and to give back to the kingdom of God. But then let me end off by saying this. Do it with brilliance. Go the extra mile for God. So when you're going to make that that little muffin there, do it well. When you're going to serve, serve well. When you're going to greet, greet well. Put on that, that beautiful smile, that welcoming heart. Do it, and do it as unto God. That last slide there, by the grace of God, for the glory of God, let us thirst for Him and serve Him with brilliance. Folk, we will be recognized because we can change the world, but it starts off small. And I pray to God that we can do that, and do that really, really well. We're going to have communion together. And as we do that, as you come to the front and take of the bread that symbolizes the body of Christ broken for you and for me, not broken by bones but torn apart so his blood was shed for you and for me, for the forgiveness of our sins, come. And as you stand and you come and and take communion from here, we'll bring the table here. As you do that, Say, Lord, I want to serve you with all that I have, but I want to serve you with absolute brilliance. And if you're doing that, amazing. We celebrate together. But if you're not there yet, come and commit your journey to God at the communion table. It's a table of communion where we come and we say, God, we're united with you. Help us, please. Your body was hurt for me. Your blood was shed for me so we could be communion, one together. Please come, Lord Jesus, and interact with me.
you're not able to come to the front, we've got servers at the back that will come and serve you. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you gave of all you were so we might be set free. So, Lord, we pray that you will come and you will fill us afresh with zeal, with your spirit, with energy to be able to do what you have called us to do. Lord, we acknowledge that it's not by might nor by power, but by your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, as we take of this bread symbolizing your body, And we drink of this cup, the juice, symbolizing your blood. We do it, Lord, in appreciation for what you've done for us. And Lord, we know that the least we can do is serve you and serve you well. Challenge our hearts, Lord, we pray. Speak to us, Lord, we pray. For we long to serve you with all that we have and all that we are. For your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. For come when you're ready, come down the front and go to the side. Come take, keep your bread, keep your cup, and we'll eat and drink together in Jesus' name, please. Folk, the body 
functions best when every part is healthy. And Jesus gave of his body so we might be united and healthy as the body of Christ. He shed his blood for you and for me. Let's eat and drink in the name of Jesus to symbolize that. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329 Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.